On the White House lawn, September the 15th, 2020, the peace agreements brokered by the United States of America between Israel, the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain were signed. The peace agreements between the nations would be known as the Abraham Accords, in homage to the biblical patriarch of both Jews and Muslims. The Accords have ushered in a new era for Israel and the Gulf region, enabling diplomatic relations, trade, commerce, tourism and cultural exchange. The Accords have the potential to impact the trajectory of the Middle East. The Abraham Accords podcast will be your source of quality conversation for anyone interested in the region with weekly guests on a range of topics from all signatory nations. My name is Robert Curtis and I will be co-hosting this podcast with Fleur Hassan Nahum, Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem and my co-founder of the UAE Israel Business Council. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to the Abraham Accords podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Fleur. Fleur, welcome back to another episode. Hi, Rob. How are you? Um, I'm doing okay, actually. I'm ensconced in my house with three out of four (laughs) children who have corona. Oh, my God, Rob. As everybody's getting out of it, you're bang in the middle of it. I know. We feel like we're emerging as a nation for the first time in a year and bang my kids get it right at the end Fleur tell me there's lots going on in Jerusalem and Israel generally we're in an interesting period of vaccination election coming up I just want to before we introduce our amazing guests for the podcast just chat to you how is Jerusalem holding up in terms of the vaccine program I know there is a lot happening in terms of also focusing on um, Arab residents of Jerusalem and the Haredi community in Jerusalem ensuring that they're vaccinated as well um, and that they're, they're knowledgeable of it and how's how's it affecting you in terms of the election coming up Well, look, I mean, one thing at a time. So basically the vaccination drive is going great in Jerusalem. The city is now more than 60% vaccinated, lower numbers in the Arab community, but we did a very, very uh, expansive campaign in Arabic where we got younger people to encourage their grandparents and their parents to come and get vaccinated. And it's finally, finally happening. I'm getting a lot of messages of people who are going, look, there's fear amongst the elderly, more traditional community. They don't know what it is. Um, and so we have to also bear in mind that we're talking also with the ultra-Orthodox, we talk about very uh, traditional communities who have a little bit of suspicion. And so that the fake news is, is, is going past. They're seeing that their friends and peers are getting vaccinated and they're okay. They're, they're living, they're breathing. And so it's going much better. And we hope, we're, I think in general, we're ahead of the country. So we're hoping uh, to continue the drive. And the good news is that next week the hotels reopen, yay. And so everybody's getting ready for Passover when we hope, unfortunately, no foreign tourists yet, but certainly a lot of internal tourism, a lot of local tourism, and we can get our legs back for when our uh, cousins from the Gulf can come and visit us in Jerusalem. Amazing, amazing. And just talk to me about elections. Um, There's a lot of the press and news channels and out on the streets we're seeing all the faces of the candidates um, on every on every roundabout (laughs) what what's happening in Jerusalem for the election how are they gearing up and what what are you thinking I I really don't know this is the fourth election in two years and I I hear a combination of people are just tired maybe won't vote Uh, People who can get out of the country are trying to get out of the country and they don't care about staying to vote, which is kind of worrying. Um, Really, Rob, it's anybody's game at the moment. We really, 
don't know what's going to happen. All I know is this, everybody loves the Abraham Accords. And so I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, uh, I said to someone the other day, that in Israel, we love democracy so much. We like doing it four times in two years. Yes. Yes. Meanwhile, I go to uh, I go to Dubai to cleanse myself of this kind of toxic environment of, of the criticism towards our leaders and just go and see how much they admire and love their rulers. I want to I want a bit of that bottle it up and bring it back to Israel. Amazing. Well, talking about the UAE and specifically in Dubai. So <laughs> delighted to be able to welcome our guest Ida Al-Busaidi today. Ida is the director of Dubai Tourism. She is a marketing specialist. She's been a featured writer in Emirates Today. She even co-hosted her own TV show, Her Say. She's an advocate for women's rights, social issues, and she's part of Dubai's mission, basically, to become the world's most visited city. And I know that we are, as Israelis, very excited to help contribute to those numbers. We'll I think talk we're about already contributing that. quite a bit. <laughs> and so, last, I think last December we contributed the most. <laughs> indeed. So welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. I, I love that. Could we, could we continue on the pronunciation of my name, Rob, because I absolutely love that banter. <laughs> <laughs> but I got, it's the so story much. of my life in Israel. I promise you, nobody can pronounce Flo. None of the Israelis can pronounce Flo. They call me Fleur. I love it, though. You have such a unique name. It's like yes. Flo. Yes, like <laughs> yes, it's all very nice when you say it, okay? <laughs> Not so nice when you hear it over here. <laughs> It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so delighted to be part of the podcast. I think Fleur and I have been talking about it for a while now. Yes, and, you know, life happened, um, mm -hmm. COVID, vaccines, um, everything else under the sun. So I'm and really glad I finally, finally made it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how's it going? Tell us a little bit as the person in charge of bringing in tourism how, I mean, because people ask me this all the time as the Jerusalem tourism person, what's the last year been like? Um, it's been quite interesting um, in the sense that we never stop. And that's kind of like our mantra, I have to say, as Dubai. Um, as you know, um, back in 2012, His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum the vice president of the UAE and ruler of Dubai and prime minister as well, um, basically put a really, um, really strong target for us to reach 20 million visitors by 2020. And we were very well on our way uh, to getting there because we closed really well in 2019. Uh, Dubai also stands as the number four most, most visited city in the world as per MasterCard as well. Um, so we had a fantastic 2019 fantastic January and then there were these rumors hey there's like a there's something happening and it's from China but it's okay it's going to be contained and we went on by our business February came about it got a little bit worrisome um, obviously we you know took it with a bit of pinch of salt and then towards the end of February we started making some really hardcore decisions um, and come March so exactly around this time is when we started um, doing some minor shutdowns, um, you know, closure of events, um, sending, you know, kids back to back home and uh, just moving up spring break a little bit earlier. And then um, organizations, especially the government entities, including ourselves, started working from home. 
uh, more on a trial basis and then into a permanent basis. So we went into a proper, proper um, curfew. Uh, but having said that, um, the way that the curfew was managed was very well done. It was very well coordinated. Um, all the government entities held hands together. Um, there were strict policies that were put into place. But the one thing that didn't stop was us communicating to the world. So mm -hmm. whilst everybody else was like, oh, my God, we don't want to. Um, uh, lots of confusions in many parts of the destinations. We said, you know what, we're not going to wait. We're not going to risk it. We obviously don't want the numbers to go up. We don't know what this um, virus is all about. So from the period of March all the way until um, end of June, we stayed in touch with the most, uh, the majority of the world. You know, we market to over 50 plus countries uh, globally, and in some cases, it's regions. Um, you know, we went from marketing to only six countries in the world, you know, back in, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, all the way to 50 plus now, uh, mm -hmm. adding Israel into that bucket. Um, we <laughs> very excited about that too. Um, and how did we keep in touch? So we have this amazing footage. Uh, you know, you've been to Dubai, Fleur, so you've seen the infrastructure here, the activities that you can do as families and as friends. And basically we um, made sure that we took that conversation and that narrative to say, you know, we will see you soon. And, you know, and we went into multiple campaigns over that three, four month period, just to make sure that we were resonating with people on a more personal, emotional level. On another front, it gave us the opportunity to explore on a lot of um, AR, VR uh, opportunities. And so moving into that really tech world because everybody moved into Zoom, you know, and moved mm -hmm. into uh, the online space. So really making sure, um, that we had that coordination happen. And then the one thing that we did that was a little bit of an extra. So the year before we had actually partnered with Monopoly. So we actually have a Dubai version of Monopoly. And coincidentally, Lego had actually just launched a Lego Cities series as well. And I don't know if you saw, but Ellen DeGeneres actually posted it on her account just Whoa. before we had launched it to a bunch of people as well. And so you can find like the Great Wall of China, but Lego piece. And then I think the Eiffel Tower, Lego piece. And she had talked about it. And there's a Dubai skyline, Lego piece. So we had nice. this idea that went into, uh, you know, the light bulbs went on in our head. And we said, let's just buy a whole bunch of these. And all the people that we um, usually would work with, so from our trade partners to our media partners to our celeb, uh, our key opinion leaders from uh, 18 different countries, we just started shipping out all these things to just say, you're stuck at home, but we're still here when you are ready. And that was the name of our campaign, Ready When You Are. And oh, so people just started getting <laughs> amazing all these pieces. Yeah. And um, it was fantastic. And so as we built up um, into the opening, because, you know, we opened up on July 7th, 2020, our borders opened. Um, obviously, a lot of restrictions. You know, the hotels slowly started opening up. The restaurants started, slowly started opening up. 
But since July of last year, we've already had the Dubai Summer Surprises Festival. We've already had the Dubai Fitness Challenge Festival. Uh, we then had the Abraham Accords signed off. Uh, we had the Dubai Shopping Festival. And in a couple of weeks time, we're going to be welcoming the Dubai Food Festival. And I know food is really important for Israelis as well. So um, really excited to have that here. So I guess we, we really didn't have a quiet year. I, I don't know what people are talking about. <laughs> well, you you know, you really managed what no, we came from like lockdown to Dubai. And what was really very interesting is to see how people were largely very disciplined. And you managed to keep the numbers very steady. You managed to manage the situation whilst having a normal life. Like we were on a beach, yeah. we were in restaurants. And I just have to say one more thing, Rob, before you start asking Ida your, your more intelligent questions is that how lucky am I that when I went to Dubai with my family, I had the director of Dubai tourism do my itinerary for me, okay? Now, now I love my job just for that. I had Aida Al-Busaidi do my itinerary for my family and I <laughs> for the week. That's it, drop mic. <laughs> <laughs> it was my pleasure, it was my pleasure. I, I really wanted you to see the best of Dubai. So, oh, and I your did. kids are wonderful, Flora. So, so Aida, I wanna go, back a little bit I want to track back before we talk a little bit more about tourism and the wonderful opportunities that the Abraham Accords afford us between these two 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 great nations what did you know as a person about Israel either growing up or in your professional role and you know we're, we're friends here now so you can be honest and just share with us what your understanding was and and perhaps how it has been informed since the you know last September so um, it's a very interesting question, and uh, you know I'm I'm going to be as honest as possible. Um, when we grew up, the uh, the sentiment uh, that we had about Israelis, not about the Jewish um, uh, people as a as a as a as a people, um, was two very separate things. So as a Jewish people, it's obviously very understandable. We I mean, we say the Quran, we know, you know, we believe in Musa, you know, Nabi Musa, who is Moses. So we obviously had quite a lot of understanding. We had a very in-depth analysis um, of the Jewish people, but not the Jewish culture. So they're very different, right? And then from an Israeli perspective, there wasn't a lot of mention of Israel, right? And so the, the older generation for several reasons, and obviously we can't boil it down to one specific reason, you know, uh, it could be because of religion, could be because of political, could be because it's cultural. There wasn't a lot of recognition in the sense that, um, you know, Israeli as a people. Um, and so I think it was because we had quite a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication. So we never really studied about it. We never really met anybody who was Israeli. I didn't actually meet anyone who was Jewish until, ooh, until I went to university. Um, wow. And so the interesting thing about my family, to be completely honest, is that we were always very worldly. And the good thing about living in or growing up or being from a place like Dubai is that we've always had that um, welcoming um, embrace to any culture. Yes. Um, so it was always a very, mm, 
interesting, I guess you could say question for me, once I started university, once I started understanding that if we're okay with everybody, why are we not okay with a specific country or a specific religion or a specific people? And that's where my inquisitiveness actually started because you need to be exposed to a culture or to a people or to a religion for you to start questioning. But if you're not exposed to it, then it's very difficult to start questioning it. And so we never had those deep seated or deeply rooted type of questions for us to know anything. Because what, where would you get that information? The internet only started coming into play, I would say, what, mid 80s to late 80s, I guess you could say. And even then, there wasn't a lot of much. Yeah, even later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember because remember, you had to disconnect the phone in order to connect to the internet. So I'm from that generation. Fleur. I'm from an even older generation. To load up a tape onto your computer to play a game. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, so there wasn't enough. So, so not only were we not exposed to it, there wasn't enough information about it. So you couldn't really search for anything. So when, when, when you would hear or when you, you would, I would see a lot of people um, who would, uh, who would basically go pray. And I didn't understand, you know, things like, Mazel tov. And what did that mean? Is it a completely, it's a completely different, it's a foreign language to me. And we're, we're, we're accustomed to foreign languages. Like yeah. my, you, when you live in Dubai, you pick yeah. up so many different accents. I can tell you by just listening, even if I don't speak the language, I can tell you where that accent is from. If it's Eastern European or if it's Australian or if it's Japanese. So, um, and then I started developing an interest in it. And so when I started, um, because I graduated from university when I was 20. So I was quite young and we used to travel quite a bit to London and there are quite a lot of Jews in London, just a lot. <laughs> and I was like, who are these guys? And I got, I got so inquisitive and so interested. And I actually asked one of my friends if he could get me the Torah because I wanted to understand mm-hmm. it from the Jewish side. So I have it and it's at home. It's one of my prized possessions, but I had to hide it um, mm-hmm. because I didn't know what people would think about it. So I have a bookshelf that has the interesting books that I would really like to read. And for me, it was really interesting. And I actually showed it to one of my friends, Michal, and she was like, where did you get this from? I was like, I've actually had it for almost two decades and she was like what and so I love learning on a personal level um and then I remember I went uh to my first synagogue in Florence um oh wow yes a beautiful synagogue it's a beautiful one and this was back in 2009 uh if I'm not mistaken and the reason we went to Florence is because one of my friends who was getting married she's half Italian had to go pick up her wedding dress from Florence and so one day we were just free and we were just roaming about and I saw this place and it was guarded. There was, there were actual like army guys with like rifles. And I was like, oh, well, I, I, I didn't understand the concept. So um, it, it was a synagogue with a small little, uh, I guess it's a school, if I'm not mistaken, but it's for younger kids and a museum all connected. Yeah. And it was the first time I had ever entered a synagogue. And I thought, this is it's just exceptional because it's a place of faith. It's, but I just didn't understand the connection between 
um, you know, armed, rifled army guys with a place of worship. And so, and I didn't have a lot of people to ask that question to as well. So, um, you know, fast forward, obviously, into a few more years. Uh, you know, we started uh, quite a bit early, I have to say, in the UAE to start welcoming, yeah. um, you know, uh, the Jewish community as well as the Israeli community as well. And I started first seeing um, quite a few uh, members of the Israeli or Jewish community when I worked in Abu Dhabi for a few years. And I remember we welcomed the American Jewish um, uh, committee. I couldn't remember. Ex- I can't I can't remember exactly where they were from, uh, most probably New York, but I was working in Mazdar at that time, um, which is um, uh, which is centered around being a sustainable city in Abu Dhabi. And I thought, oh, wow. And they spoke fluent Arabic, so they could understand us, but we couldn't understand mm-hmm. them. And that's where I was like, this is a special, I need to start making a special effort to start really understanding a little bit more about it. Because before it was more like, oh, this is interesting. Let me explore a little bit and let me explore a little bit but now I've gone into a full-fledged like questioning and I'm so interested in the cultures and there's so many different nuances and every time I meet somebody I'm learning something new and and I love it it's is you really need to have that interest in you in order for you to start understanding it and I feel that the more you're given something if you have the capacity to absorb knowledge or you just you're just inquisitive and your quest for knowledge is high then you should definitely take the opportunity. So why not? You know, I mean, I love traveling. I love eating. I love exploring. I love talking. So it's a perfect opportunity. You know, so I can't, I can't wait to come visit too. So really we can't wait to have you. We really can't <laughs> wait to have you. And what an interesting journey. And I just have to say that Ida's brother, Omar, is also a good friend of mine. He's also been at the forefront of uh, the people uh, pushing forward the Abraham Accords. And today he's actually working for the New York Consulate of the UAE and, uh, and, and really advancing the Abraham, Peace, uh, Abraham Accords from, from New York. So we're very proud of Omar. Thank you. His brother. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. I think what's interesting about what you said about that cultural understanding, you know, as, as, as a Jewish community globally, you know, people often think of Jews as New York Jews. And yes. actually a significant percentage, I, I don't know whether it's 50-50, I don't know the percentages, but there is a whole history and liturgy of, you know, Jews coming from the Arab world. And, yes. you know, because of the political situation and war and all sorts of other things in the 50s and 60s, you know, they were forced to leave those countries. But there is an understanding within the Jewish community of Arab culture because it still is very much part of the Sephardi culture within the Jewish world. So there's almost been like this, you know, splitting the the wider family and it feels like we're coming back to that understanding. And so it sounds like you're, you're on that similar journey. Agreed. I'm 100% with you. And what I find really fascinating is that I think we focus so much on looking at the differences when there's so many similarities. And so, you know, words and food and I I just even nuances. Um, I was speaking the other day um, um, 
to Emily and Justine. And, I, and, and, you know, I was like, please explain stuff to me. And every time they said something, I was like, that sounds like us. It sounds exactly like, a, you know, it felt like you were speaking to a cousin that you never knew. And you just discovered that you just got this cousin and you're like, what? You, but you're saying the same <laughs> thing that we did. And I, I think was, that's the overwhelming feeling also with us. That is like really true, yeah. the long lost cousin feeling. Uh, yeah, yeah. That we've always really craved for, especially yeah. acceptance, etc. So absolutely forefront in that and be able to experience that. And for our kids, that it won't be a big deal anymore. That'll just be the norm. I think that's the most exciting thing. I, I 100% agree with you. 100%. Now, fast forward to September 2020. We're in the midst of this horrific pandemic. You know, there's nowhere to turn. We're all at home, and then bang. This bombshell <laughs> drops. Trump, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Crown Prince, and then all of a sudden we hear these amazing Abraham Accords emerge. For for you within your role within a tourism uh, vertical within the UAE and specifically Dubai, what did this mean for you at that moment? Was there was there any understanding, first of all, that this might be something that would come? I don't think there was, but there might have been on your side. Um, and, and what has it meant for you strategically? Because this is, you know, this is like the ultimate pivot in a business strategy. So, um, uh, twofold. I mean, a on a, on on a, we 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 did have, I guess you could say, an indication that there would be normalization of um, relations uh, between the two countries. And then of course um, with Bahrain as well and a few others around the region. And so we were told to kind of pace ourselves uh, until further notice, because again, you know, there, there's some very high level conversations that take place. Um, and then you have a lot of, um, I guess you say grassroots conversations such as these that take place. And then the ones that kind of get stuck in the middle are the business side. They are like, wait a minute, now we have to start figuring out all these policies and you know you need to start figuring out new routes and you know do you have enough planes to fly there so there's a lot of um there's a lot of I would say there was a lot of ambiguity at that point of time but since then I mean we're we're fast forward six months almost six months since the uh, accords have been signed uh, we have a little bit better of an understanding there there was also you know the part that I spoke about earlier there's a lot of um cultural nuances that you also need to understand, right? So it's not just about the business focus. Of course, it's it's wonderful from a business perspective. It's even better from a tourism perspective. You're talking about, you know, leisure tourism to business tourism to uh, wellness tourism to leisure tourism. So combo of business and leisure as well. Um, family tourism, food tourism. So you can really break it up into so many different niches. But then there's additional stuff that really has to come with it. You know, um, the types of packages that you need to build, uh, looking into kosher food, for example, which is something that we never really kind of invested in as well, right? So there's it opportunities. Feels, it feels <laughs> like you guys got that really quickly because the press releases and the Dubai Tourism <laughs> Authority were, you know, ordering hotels to suddenly shift their room service and their offering. And we were all blown away. I mean, this was, you know, Jews and food, you've got us. <laughs> so yeah, so 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 the so the flexibility and the agility are things that I really wanted to highlight as well, right? So I think that's that you know I I, I would have to give our, our ourselves a shippo ba on on making sure that we get that sorted because 
again, um, whilst the back end, you know, processes and policies get sorted out and the nuances of travel and visa arrangements, because those things take a little bit of time, right? I mean, those types of normalizations need to happen from a foreign affairs policy, which is very on a very federal level. But then on a more softer side, right, the soft power elements that I would talk about, um, the tech side, the food side, those are things that we started kind of like gaining a bit of knowledge, like, but gaining it much faster because we're like okay wait a minute what do we need to kind of cover and um we're so blessed to have so many people come and not also celebrate their faith here and being able to feel safe and you know not not be restricted as well because again we're a very um, encompassing, you know, society, you know, we believe all religions, uh, we should live in peace. And there's a lot of tolerance in here as well. We even have a minister just for tolerance. We have a minister for happiness. We have a minister for the youth. Um, so we had to make sure that all those um, belief systems uh, that, that are that are embedded within our government and our business and our consumer side also had to come out as well. So there was a lot that was happening that period of time. We really tried to understand as much as we could within that, I guess you could say six week window before, you know, everybody started flying in. I would say around November, December is when we saw quite a lot of Israelis just flocking to Dubai. And we were just, we would, I would see them everywhere. I'm like, oh, there quite we go. a lot. You can only hear Hebrew for God's sake. <laughs> um, but it was lovely to see it. And, 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 and really interesting just to also meet so many people such as Fleur um, and, and, and Michal and Justine and just so many people who really, really, really want to take it to the next level and to the next step. And so having all these conversations and building plans and strategies and even just taking a look at what's possible for the future. You know, we're looking at Passover right now. We're looking at the summer travel. Um, we're also looking at the Hanukkah period as well, just to kind of see, you know, when, when can you come? I know it, we're just a flight away. We're just a weekend away, but you know, it's, it's got to feel like it's, it's home and that you can actually spend a little bit of extra time here as well. Explore the destination, really discover, you know, your passion points, you know, when it comes to Dubai. So, I mean, there is a lot of work that is going in the back end as well. And we haven't kept quiet, which is, which is really good. We're just waiting for the borders to open so that we can hopefully, you know, start welcoming more and more people to come in and not just once, but twice, you know, today you could come, you know, flirt the first time she came. I mean, we were supposed to meet, but you know, she's such a busybody. So I like, I didn't get a chance to meet her. And then I met her by coincidence the no. second time she was back at the family and only because we had to be at the, at the same dinner together. We were invited um, to a Friday night dinner together. That's where yes. I met. <laughs> so I was like, Fleur, although I saw like, you, <laughs> I saw you, I have to talk about this. Um, the D Dubai Tourism Dubai and the uh, Israeli Export Institute did the most beautiful celebration of peace, Rob. They did a, a, this opera with Andrea Bocelli. They had Idan Reichel, and they had the, Ara it's called the Arabian Symphony Orchestra. Yes, yes, the Arabian and Symphony Orchestra. And, and Ida was the MC for the evening. And so I had never met her and I already liked her because she did such a beautiful job. And it was such an emotional evening. I think I'll, I'll never forget that evening. Um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. You're even, you know what, what's incredible is that the fact, look, I travel around the world everywhere and uh, yeah, I, think, I would say the average Israeli maybe is not the, that bothered about kosher. That's the truth. But there are, there is a, there is a religious community that is, and my family is. And the fact that it's so easy 
um, to, for people to understand what you're talking about. Everybody was briefed about what kosher yeah. is. You know, I'd go somewhere and I say, I can't eat shellfish and I can't eat these and again. And they're like, you're kosher? You know, so, like yes. in Europe, when you're in Europe and Jews have been traveling in Europe for quite a while now, there's zero understanding and sensitivity yes. and that we're literally just sign a peace treaty and that we go there and everybody's asking, madam, are you kosher? Uh, can I bring you something special? Of course, we're gonna cook this separately. That understanding and sensitivity to our dietary needs is to me says it all really, says it all about the, um, the hospitality culture, yeah. and also the um, cultural sensitivity um, to another religion, to the Jewish religion. That to me really says everything about, 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 about you. I agree. Really, it's similar. I agree, 100%, 100%. I think, I think what's interesting is that for Israelis, and maybe you'll share some, some top tips for us, um, I think the center of gravity is going to move to Dubai in terms of, first of all, flights. I think what we're going to start to see is a huge shift of the big hub that was Istanbul for Israelis mm -hmm. to oh, then Greece. get out to the east. Exactly. Yes. 100%. Everybody's facing Easter. But I would just add one more thing, and I'm sure you're aware of this. It's not just Israelis. It's the entire Jewish world that this peace deal has opened Dubai and Abu Dhabi and the other Emirates open up to. I mean, apart from all the Israelis over there, so many London Jews and so many yeah. French Jews and so many New York Jews, you know, every I reckon now, I mean, I worked in Jewish organizations for a while, that every single organized trip to Israel will now include a Gulf component. And yeah. either to you and, and to Dubai is really opening up a second world of tourism. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I, there's so much potential. Uh, you know, I think, I think the more we start understanding, because we're in the business of data, right? And we're in the business of understanding. We're also in the business of adapting. And we're in the business of making sure that we get there, not just get there fast, but get there right as well. And so, you know, I, I want to take a step back and just go back to, you know, the days of Sheikh Rashid, you know, may Allah rest his soul in peace and Sheikh Zayed, where they were like, do it and then people will come, right? You know, we dredged the They'll creek them, they will and... Come. Exactly. That was that was the mentality then. And that's the mentality today. And it's the mentality tomorrow as well. And so with that mentality, you know, being very embedded in our DNA and our core, that's literally how we grow up. We don't think, well, it's too much of a risk. We're like, no, 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 it's a risk. And that's why you should take it because a little bit of risk yields a much higher ROI. And then with that as well, we support data with data, right? I mean, day in, day out, the number crunching that I do, I'm a marketing person. So you can imagine, you know, when you tell a marketing person, you need to, you need to crack <laughs> some numbers. They're like, do you mean in color? <laughs> We're like, no, no, no. We, we really crunch the numbers. And so having an understanding of who is your audience, you know, can every Israeli travel to Dubai? Will every Israeli travel to Dubai? You know, there's you, you've got the Orthodox, but then you've got the ultra Orthodox. So really mm -hmm. understanding even to the nth detail, um, who are these individuals and what do you like? And, you know, I asked you a few questions for the other day and I asked the group as well, you know, because we really just wanted to understand 
you know, a, a, a very simple pillar, but a very important pillar, which is gastronomy. And yeah. so a lot of people take that for, for granted as well, you know, but we have 200 nationalities um, who reside in Dubai. And that 200 nationalities is actually showcased in the form of gastronomy. Yes. But yes. but is it good for everybody? Will everybody mm-hmm. want to travel for food? And, you know, and you, you said a couple of really good points as well, you know, for for a family of six, you know, is it affordable for me? But maybe my job from a marketing perspective is to really highlight to you the spaces that are affordable or that are yes. package deals as well. So, yes. you know, again, it's it's really maneuvering the conversation more than anything else. So the offering is there, but we haven't had enough time to kind of like package that offer and say, oh, Fleur, actually, I forgot to mention that this place is actually perfect for you as a family. So really going to the end details. So we work backwards. We don't say, oh, we want every, we definitely want everybody to come, but the how uh, and the what are the two main questions that we ask. We don't say why they should come. The why is already answered. You know, you shouldn't yeah. even say why, because the answer is Dubai, but yeah. it's the what and the how <laughs> that we really need to focus on. Just from a perspective of, from, I guess, from, from our world here in Israel and, uh, you know, whether it's Israelis or Jews coming to the UAE and Dubai specifically, in your case, um, what do we need to know? You're making a great effort to understand us. What do we need to know about you and about the, you know, specifically Dubai? What do we need to know to, to, to get our best holiday or do our business and to understand the culture? What would you say is like sort of top tips from Ida? Um, so the number one point I'll have to say is look beyond the superlatives. You know, the superlatives did put us on the map. We're talking about the Burj Al Arab and the Burj Khalifa. We love we love those spaces and we definitely want you to go there. But there's so much more to actually see and visit. So I would say the number one thing that you should do is definitely, definitely get a heritage and cultural immersion. And that can start in three very main specific places. You've got the Etihad Museum, which is fantastic. You've got um, uh, the Shindra and the Al-Fahidi area, which is where the hub of Dubai actually began. That's where the business and I guess you could say the community flourished from the creek. And in that area has been super enhanced as well. And then the third space is I would have to say, you would need to look at you know, the open spaces. And by open spaces, I mean, you know, the desert is one, but where in the desert is really important. So places like Marmoum are extremely important. Uh, the conservation places like Al-Baha, and of course, Hatta. So I would say those three areas are probably the first places that you should visit before you go visit the Burj Khalifa. So I would actually reverse it. Um, and there's and there's a couple of reasons for that. A number one is because people don't know much about it. Number two, it will actually resonate better with um, the Israeli people as well as the Jewish people because there's so much connection with the desert and the Arab culture and the connectivity, you know, with with just that heritage part, which a lot of people, I guess, don't see firsthand when you go into a big city. Um, so it's hard to kind of grasp that. Um, so those are the main, the, main, the main two reasons I would say start with that. The second um, uh, thing that I would start with is, you know, there, there's so many things to discover in Dubai. So I would say get to know a local. So if you have an opportunity to meet an Emirati, start with that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think most, <laughs> most of us are so excited to actually meet an Israeli, like we would go up and say, Hey, could you, you know, are, 
are you here? Not the other way around. They um, do. They did. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and so for, for us, we want people to ask us the questions, right? And I think um, a lot of the times, you know, it, it's really funny. Social media is meant to bring us closer together. It's supposed to, you know, decipher all these weird perceptions. But in fact, it's also made us a little bit mm, not so personal. But you I can't would say that social feedback when you're with somebody. It just doesn't exactly. exist. Exactly. So I would say when you do spot an Emirati, or if you know someone who knows an Emirati, just get to know one, right? Because the feedback is so different. Um, when you eat, eat with your hands. You should you should try eating with your hands. You know, you really you really get the flavors here as well. Um, and then uh, there's there's an adventure side that we absolutely have. You have to try. I mean, and when I say adventure. I just I, I don't mean just the dune bugging as well. It's exploring, you know, some of the sitkas, um, the little open streets and the closed streets, the neighborhoods. We have some of the oldest neighborhoods in here as well. And I think that's something that a lot of people probably just just walking. I mean, we are a city that needs quite a lot of cars um, yes. and we do have a really robust transportation system. Dude. But, you know, there 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 you you can do some walking depending on where you go as well. And then um Finally, I would also have to say is probably just explore things that you pro you probably wouldn't have put on your bucket list and you thought you couldn't find it in Dubai or maybe in the region, but you probably just didn't ask the right people. Um, so, so always put in mind that if you had that scare factor, like I've I've always wanted to skydive and I didn't think I was going to do it. So I'm going to come do my one, two, three, four definitely go and skydive. People come here to actually get their skydive license. That's how easy it is to actually skydive in Dubai. I won't be doing that, just to let you know. No, me neither, me neither. <laughs> I have an easier version for you guys. There's an indoor skydive which you can manage. Okay, that, that I might consider. That I might consider. Fleur, tell me, from your perspective, you know, tourism is part of your portfolio for Jerusalem. How, yeah. and, and, and Ida, you're... you're, you're contribute to this as well. What does the reciprocal tourism discussions look like? It's funny because um, I was on a discussion today because there's a panel next week talking exactly about that. We all, it's very clear that Israelis are going to be flooding uh, as they've already started to Dubai, especially now when everything opens up again. How do we get uh, the Emirates Gulf tourism to come to Jerusalem? Um, and first of all, I'm happy and pleased to say that I think everybody does want to come, uh, at least the people that I've met are interested to come, they want to explore Israel, they certainly want to come as pilgrims even to Jerusalem, to Haram al-Sharif, to pray, it's on everybody's bucket list and people are very traditional and religious there. And so I'm counting on that um, and also to package uh, the, apart from the Jerusalem history, layers of history, you know, of, of, of all the ages of Jerusalem, I also mm. think that nature tourism in Israel, uh, wellness slash nature tourism is going to resonate. Ida will help me understand if I'm right or, or, or not. But these are the marketing tips that I'm working on with the Jerusalem Development Authority marketing team and also with the Israeli tourism ministry. I think the fact that we have a ski slope you know, although I skied in a, a mall in Dubai, um, my first skiing experience is in a mall in Dubai, my kids, but we actually have a ski slope in Israel. We have incredible mountains, nature, riv um, rivers and springs. 
These are the things that perhaps in the summer when the, uh, when yeah. the Emirates are too hot to stay home and they would normally go to Europe, maybe now they'll hop on a plane either on the way to Europe or at all, you know, to hop on a plane and come to Israel to explore that sort of cooler side of uh, and the natural side of, uh, of Israel. Yeah, very interesting. I hope so, because I think, you know, there's got to be that reciprocity that we're we're immersed in each other's cultures and tourism is going to be such a such a big part of that. Um, and the and the offer just to add on to Fleur, um, uh, Rob, if you don't mind, but you know, the offering is, is is very different because the seasonality is also very different as well. And so, you know, whilst Flores is speaking about the slopes, um, you know, the, the, the ski slopes in Israel, uh, you know, uh, obviously, you know, being in an indoor ski slope is very different. The offering that we have as well is, is very much embedded in the desert, which is, you know, yes. I think from a reciprocity perspective, you really kind of get that perspective. And so, yes. you know, we, we, we launched um, the first ever UAE wide campaign um, which is the world's coolest winter um, uh, late last year. And uh, I don't know if you saw, but Steve Harvey uh, was one of the few people that was selected to kind of, you know, go across the UAE and really feature. So, you know, you start off with Dubai, but, you know, we, we, we have Absolutely. so much to offer. And I think it's, it, you know, it, it's about time that we actually just take charge of the narrative as well, because, you know, we, as I mentioned before, the superlatives, you know, have really given us quite a narrative and we've led a lot of third um, party endorsements and people really talk about Dubai, but now we're really pushing the envelope with saying, here we go. Um, we also have Expo, which is coming up, you know, a mega yes. achievement, one Huge. of many... Um, Yes, one of many world achievements of actually having a globally recognized yes. institution or even a, a, an arena where people can actually come at Explore Expo. And the best uh, cherry on top, I guess you could say the icing, is that we're actually turning 50 years old this year, you know, know. Uh, as a you union. You guys have a so big anniversary. You guys have it's it's mega, you know, so we're all Expo. gearing towards that. Yeah. And we, and you know, and I think, you know, from a tech perspective as well, I have to say, you know, Israel has done such a phenomenal job, you know, really getting into the tech industry very early on. And it's something that we're heavily investing in as well, you know, from an artificial intelligence perspective, from a tech perspective. And there's, you know, I think beyond tourism, you know, from a from a leisure or um, wellness or business perspective, there's an educational tourism that could yes. also be enhanced between the two countries as well. So I see potential in so many different angles and so many varieties of like pillars and sectors. So, you know, it's a start to a wonderful relationship. And, you know, it can only grow bigger and better. From only, here. I look forward to the time, because honestly, it's a two and a half hour flight. And I'm looking forward to literally saying to my husband on a Wednesday, let's just go to Dubai for the weekend. And this is really, this is the uniqueness. Yeah. It's the yeah. fact that it's so close. And mm. this is where I hope we get to, that the way that I would jump, when I was living in Gibraltar, I would jump on a plane to London for shopping for two days, because it was two and a half hours. It's Europe, yeah. you know, that that's going to be now my go-to. Um, and my kids go to or just going away with girlfriends for a spa weekend. It's just opened up a brand new world. We're very excited. And I hope, I really hope, and I'm going to be working very hard for it to also be reciprocal and for uh, 
and Gulf tourism to think, oh, let's pop into Jerusalem for the weekend. I fancy the King David and a nice <laughs> steak at the 1868. That's really where I want to go. <laughs> inshallah, inshallah. I love it. So look, before before we wrap up, final question for you. And uh, before, before I say the question, Fleur, somehow I have to get onto your crazy travel schedule. I love all of this. Dubai, Gibraltar, London, traveling the world. And this is a quiet year, for God's sake. <laughs> you know what I realized, Rob? And I know this is really bad, and maybe I should be saying this publicly, but what the hell? I love my life in Israel because I get out so much. <laughs> so, only Fleur, only Fleur can get away with that. <laughs> Not sure I'm going to get away with it. <laughs> so, so look, final question: When the the history books are written in a hundred years' time, and there's the chapter on the Abraham Accords and the the the, the burgeoning friendship between our two countries. Um, what role do you think, at high level, tourism would have played in that peace and relationship going forward? Um, I would say it would be listed as one of the core pillars uh, moving forward. It's, it's, you know, we've already started strategizing for the next 50 years. So the 2071 plan and tourism is right up there as one of the core functions. So definitely, you know, if we're speaking about the next hundred years of history being written, and we've already looked at the first 50, I would say the, the first 50 of the hundred years are definitely tourism linked as well. So uh, a very big part uh, definitely something that will evolve, definitely something that will encourage um, many people to really look at the relationship status in a completely different manner. You know, open, open, open skies is a policy that many yeah. of us have been striving to achieve, you know, over years and years in the aviation industry, you know, mm -hmm. cultural dialogue and conversations, um, you know, so, so, so you just need to be open to accepting um, something that's a little bit different and be willing to offer uh, double what you're willing to accept. And I think that's where uh, we'll be able to actually make history not just happen, but something that that's talked about generations after this as well. Amen, sister. I'm going to give you an emoji. Hold on. Let me do that. <laughs> Ida, thank you. Oh. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know how busy you are. You work so hard and you do such Thank a great you. job. And you do it with Thank so much you. creativity and so much positivity. That Thank is you. a pleasure to know you. Really, it is. And I can't wait to see you. Hopefully, I'm coming after Pesach. And maybe I'll drag you back with me. How about that? Inshallah. I really hope so, by the way. We were just I waiting. Know. So we're, we're waiting for I the go-ahead to actually start traveling. But everybody's kind of like on hold for the time being. But after, thank you so much us. for inviting me. Of I agree course. 100%. Wonderful. Ida Al-Busaidi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Fleur, again. Thank you for joining Fleur and I on the Abraham Accords podcast. Remember to subscribe so you can be updated on more episodes.